Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Here are your hosts, Julie Fudge-Smith and Colleen Pilar. Hi, and welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith. I'm here with Colleen Pilar, and we are with part two with Judy Gladson, flat coat retriever breeder. She uh, got her first flat coat in 1990, dropped her first litter in 1995, and has now produced 18 litters of flat-coated retrievers. She's very active with her dog. She does hunting and obedience, and her dogs have gone to Westminster. And she's here today to tell us about what it's like to be a breeder, that most of us don't know the ins and outs, the daily life of being a breeder. So Judy has agreed to come back and talk with us about what it's like to be a breeder. So Colleen, do you have any questions beyond that, or do we just want Judy to launch right into this? I think I, I think I have the very first question I want to ask is, you have to decide, do I want to breed or not breed? And what made you decide, yeah, I think, I think this, this dog at this time, I would like to breed. So we were, I was married at the time and we were encouraged by the breeder we got the dog from who had been breeding for decades, that this was a really nice bitch and that she thought she was worthy of breeding. So she helped us pick the first stud dog and helped us ask a lot of the right questions. And, um, and we kind of launched ourselves into it based on her recommendation. Um, and we had two litters together and then got divorced. Um, um, not because of that. <laughs> I was going to say, this is not encouraging to people who want to become breeders. Oh, by the way, you, you drop two litters, it ruins your marriage. Um. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that's kind of how we got into it. And I'm not sure that we thought about all the different things that go along with it. And we were pretty lucky. It's a pretty easy breed to whelp and raise puppies. You know, they're pretty good mothers. They're easy whelpers. Um, so we were lucky with that. And then, uh, she helped us find homes. So we had that, we were lucky with that also with our first litter. Um, and that first litter wasn't very stable, um, in temperament. And we were not actually very happy with that first litter as far as from a temperament standpoint. Um, now the one we kept lived to be 14 and a half. Um, she was a little weird, but, um, uh, and then we, and there, there was good longevity in there. But again, the stability and temperament was not good. So none of them were bred from. Um, and so anyway, so we had our, we did try that bitch again. Her name was Kelly. And then that second litter um, uh, was much more stable. We chose, we were a little wiser in the questions we asked. Um, I don't think we asked the right questions the first time of the, you know, of the dog owner. Um, and the breeder, I think when you ask questions like, so is their temperament good? Well, that's, that's a very different question than, can you run your mail with other males, you know, or can you right. walk your mail to a building uh, at a dog show and not have any issues? You know, you have to get much more specific with questions. And I think that, um, we learned as we went and then, um, and then I learned a lot more and I, I've learned you know, by hard knocks too. Um, but it is every day I worry that I'm going to get a phone call 
or an email. And I'm very particular with my puppy people. Like if they send me an email and I have one family in Chicago and they've had three dogs for me and they send me an email and the subject is the dog's name. And I'm like, do not send me an email with the dog <laughs> name. Send me, dog is fine. <laughs> dog is not fine. Call me. Don't send me just the dog's name because I can't stand it and I can't get the email open fast enough. So, and I, you know, I have a co-breeder now and she, um, she reaps some of the benefit without getting, like, she doesn't get the phone calls and she understands that, you know, and that's, um, it's the phone calls and the emails that's, and every day I live in fear, you know, and I have a litter, um, that just turned to eight and I have, um, a litter that's 10, you know, and a litter that's 11 and a half. And, you know, they, I'm, I worry every day. I worry every single day about all of these dogs. I've never lost track of one and I don't plan on losing track of any of them. Um, I've had to track people down. I went actually on, um, when I was still working, I had no desire to be on LinkedIn because I was happy in my job and I wasn't looking around. But the only way I found this guy in Arkansas was through LinkedIn. And that's how I got back in touch with. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so I don't stop at, you know, too much anything to, to keep track of people. Um, but, and I, I used to send out Christmas gifts all the time to every puppy. And sometimes that would make people feel guilty and then they would call me. So that worked out pretty well. (laughs) This past year, I just sent a Christmas card, but that still worked too, because I did get some phone calls and some emails. So, but it is, that's, that's what's stressful for me. It's, or you, or you get the phone call and the person is sobbing on the other end of the phone and that, you know, I always want to be there for them, but it's, it's difficult. It is very difficult. And it's really a passion. You have to be passionate about it and you have to want to breed and sell these puppies and put them in homes and then support those people for the rest of that dog's life. Mm-hmm. That sounds really tough. <laughs> it is. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you got into, so, so why flat coats? Why did you choose a flat coat in, in the first place? So when we got married, I had two Goldens out of the Baltimore Sun newspaper, which actually turned out to be super, super dogs. They were healthy and uh, they were, one lived to 12 and a half, one was 14 and a half. They were never wow. sick a day and they helped raise two couple litters. They were great dogs. And then we ended up buying a, a, a you know, fully vetted, uh, well thought out uh golden from a breeder and um it had all sorts of health problems so but when we had these two goldens and we got married um uh my fiance at the time i think wanted his own dog because these dogs were five or six by that time and um you know and i think he wanted his own dog and he has he had a brother out on the west coast who had had a flat coat so that's how and i liked the i want i've always wanted sporting dogs anyway except you know, when we all wanted Lassie, because um, <laughs> everybody wanted Lassie. But um, uh, so I've always wanted sporting dogs anyway. So I thought that that would be fun. And I thought it would look great with the Goldens and go great with the Goldens. And they and they did. So that's how um, that's how we decided on our first cla- flat coat. Now, how we found her, it's because it's difficult to find flat coats. Um, there's, you know, the AKC registers like 100,000 Labradors every year and they register 500 flat coats every year. So it's, it's a big difference in, um, in popularity and in, in being able to find them. And 
we were moving up here from Florida and we were driving past this to go to our storage unit and we saw what looked like a dog show and we'd never been, neither of us had ever been to a dog show and we walked up, we parked the car, walked in and there at the first ring were flat coats. Well, of course they were, right? So, <laughs> yes, and, of course. And then the first person we talked to, we said, you know, we we're looking for a breeder and she said, oh, well, I have a litter due in two months, you know, in a month. And we said, oh, well, of course you do. So we got the car, <laughs> put down a deposit, and that was it. We thought that was easy. <laughs> so it was meant to be. It was meant to it be. It was meant that, to be. Yeah, because I was going to say, it's, it's um, even to, you know, flight codes are a little bit more common, but a lot of people still today stop me and say, "What?" I, they know it's a retriever. They know she's a retriever, but they always ask, is that like a black golden retriever or did you mix a lab, a black lab with a golden? And it's like, no, this is a flat coated retriever. And they're like, wow, never heard it. But actually it's a pretty old breed. So it's, it's interesting that it hasn't caught on in the same level of popularity. The thing that I love about flat coats is, as I just remember when I was at Westminster and I was looking at the ring and all the flat coats were looking at their people and their tails were all waving, 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 <laughs> every one of them. And then somebody stopped waving their tail and they all stopped and look, and then they all look back, and the tail started waving again. <laughs> and that's the thing I, I love about flatties is is that they're very happy dogs, and that makes them very easy to love. So it's kind of like once you've had a flatty, that's it. You know, you're a flat coat person forever. Um, so I have have you had any other breeds since then? I mean, are you exclusively I'm, flat coat? I just flat coats now yes so I um you know every once in a while I look at something um like a Welsh Springer Spaniel and I've always kind of wanted a Welsh Springer Spaniel but I just don't want to add anything else now this is just easy so um and I have eight eight adult dogs so it's not or eight dogs so they're not all adults but um so it's not like I just have two but um I don't need to add something different that <laughs> the different personality yeah <laughs> That's but right. I do I do a lot of training with um with Labrador people and those I tell you what those Labradors that are bred for trialing are it's generations and generations of of you know breeding for that and those dogs at ten weeks old do stuff that my two year olds don't do because my two year olds are still looking at the butterflies as they fly by and these Labradors <laughs> are genetically I mean, they are just designed now to, to be, you know, retrieving machines. So it's, it's uh, <laughs> you have to have a sense of humor to have a flat coat. And I tell people that. And they are not good at repetition um, in training. And, um, and I have one right now in a home who is a, she has since become a highly competitive obedience person. And she wants a golden next because Again, there are breeders who breed specifically for obedience and goldens, and they don't look like the goldens in the show ring. You know, there's a big split in a lot of those breeds, setters and the retriever, the goldens and the Labradors and the flat coats don't have that. And I hope we never have that. You know, I, I, it's nice to take a dog out one day to a dog show and the next day you go hunting. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. They're a very so versatile breed. So you told us about the anxiety of being a breeder and how you're always worrying about all your babies. What's awesome about being a breeder? Awesome. Hmm. Uh, so it's really fun when people come to pick up their puppies. 
um, and enjoy them. And you get, you know, the first week they, they comment about how the puppy hasn't had any accidents or it's only had one accident in the house. And, you know, they're thrilled with that and how the puppy is, they took it on a walk downtown and nothing phased it. And so that's awesome. That stuff is awesome. And when the kids come and they pick up their puppy, that's really fun. Um, and then I do enjoy the, you know, the people who wanted the performance dogs when the dogs do, you know, when they are turn out to be nice performance dogs, I do enjoy that. And that's fun. And it's fun to be um, recognized for that across the country and that my dogs are, you know, they, they do show and they do performance and people come to me for a multi-purpose dog. So, so that's awesome also. Um, and those, and then I've developed a lot of friendships. I have really dear friends in the breed and, um, it, we, you know, we travel around the world together to go look at black coats and we go to dog shows in Sweden and England and, um, Holland. And we've developed a lot of friends over there. I've imported a bunch of dogs from overseas and, you know, so that's the friendships that you develop too, through, through just, I mean, just could, it could be just from owning them, not necessarily breeding, but I think that you do develop a little bit more of a, um, uh, a link with other breeders, even in other countries. And, you know, and I, and that's, that's really, um, that's really important too, because that's really my family now is my dog, is my dog friends mm-hmm. from my family. So I, I know with flat coats, um, the other thing I think that's important about, and it would be interesting and I think fun to have these breeding connections around the world is that that's also got to be um, encouraging to you in a way to, to be keeping the breed healthy because it's a fairly small genetic pool for flat coats and there's problems with cancer in, in the line of flat coats. So I would think that it would be one of the things that would be encouraging for you and maybe a sense of relief is getting to know these different breeders so that you can you can get different dogs bred so you can strengthen the lines that are in flat coats do you find that to be true have you done some interesting breeds that way breeding i have um and so zuzu's mother is from holland um and um and she was one of the she's one of the breeders that I really trust there. There's two that are, that do a lot of breeding together and they're just wonderful women. And, um, and that breeder has been breeding for, I think 45 or 50 years, flat coats. Wow. Exclusive. So, um, and she's awesome and she knows so much and you can learn so much from people like that, you know, that have been breeding that long and, um, and it's fun to see them and they come over here when we have our, um, our big dog show and, um, so that's, you know, that's fun too. It's still, it's still a limited gene pool because the, you know, at some point the, the gene pool was a certain number of dogs and, um, and that gene pool didn't really get any bigger, but we can diversify a little bit, I think, by bringing in different things because everything in this country is not so much anymore because there's a lot of imports in. We've brought some other problems in with the imports, but I do think that we, um, we are bringing in some different and able to, to breed to some different dogs now. And with frozen semen and the technology today, it's I've done a bunch of frozen semen breedings um, with dogs from overseas. And that's that's that really offers a lot also. Again, this is not for the faint of wallet and it's not 
um, it, this stuff is hugely expensive, but, um, but it's interesting and it's fun. And I've, again, we've made such good friends overseas by using some of these dogs and going over and visiting and visiting their homes and talking to them about the different lines and what they see and things like that. So that's, that's really fun also. So one of the other things too, that I'm really proud of myself for, and I don't normally say I'm very proud of myself, but, um, so I am judging at our national specialty this year. So every breed has a national specialty, um, and it's once a year and, um, we get anywhere if it's on the East coast last year, it was in New York, Pennsylvania, and we had 500 and some odd black coats. Um, oh my big. heavens. <laughs> so this year there's about 300 and it's out in Oregon, but I'm breeding, I am judging, um, puppies and veterans. So, um, that'll be really fun. I'm really honored to do it. I'm nervous <laughs> coming up in weeks. So, um, Anyway, so that's, that's, um, you know, that is something awesome about being a breeder is that your club has thought well enough of you to have you judge at their national specialty. So that's well, really congratulations. cool. Yes. It sounds like Julie's going to be booking a trip out to Oregon, <laughs> surrounded by flat coats. <laughs> the idea of being in a room with 300 flat coats, I just can't tell you how ecstatic that makes me. <laughs> 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 but it is it is a you know it, I, I think that you know it's not a breed for everybody I mean, it, it, you're right they're they're easily distracted they um it, it, they kind of never grow up which is lovely in in some ways but it is kind of hard when your four-year-old just is not is you know it's very puppy-like which is enchanting except when you really would like him to do something you know right. <laughs> he decides right. to be a puppy instead so um but it's it's a, it is a great breed. So if um so as a breeder um and you've said you you have given us some of the heartaches. What are some of the challenges you found to breeding? I was thinking like frozen semen. That would be a huge challenge to me. I can't imagine that there's you know it's not only for that would be not for the faint of heart either. It is um, not for the of heart or wallet. But it is um it is so the technology now is so good and and the te but the testing is um. You know, you have to do all this testing ahead of time as far as like progesterone and you have to get the timing right. And so there are reproductive vets that specialize in that stuff. Now, it's a big business and um, it's probably bigger in other breeds, some of the other smaller breeds than it is in ours because um, it is very expensive to do. So a lot of people don't want to do it. Um, but so I have some good reproductive vets that I use here and um and I've been, you know, I've been happy with them. And, uh, but I've done a fair amount. I think I've done seven frozen semen breedings from, um, from old dogs. I used a dog from the eighties. Um, and you know, at one point and, and I, uh, but it's, but the breedings that I've all done were all surgical. So, you know, that's a, it's a decent surgery for the dog. Um, but there are other methods of doing it now, too. But the technology is really, I think it's the horse industry that probably started that technology and then dogs got into that. But it's um, so it's pretty it's pretty easy. You just call up and give people a credit card and they'll ship you anything. <laughs> <laughs> so are you more likely to have a successful breeding with a frozen semen because you or, or it's a live breeding it, or are the success or failure rates about the same? No, live breeding is always going to be the the better bet. Um, okay. 
And so that's always what you want to try and do. Um, but it's hard, you know, and you can't. And if there's our dogs you want to bring in from overseas, um, the only way to do it is frozen semen. And, um, and and so there's different ways to do it. There's surgical, and then there's also another transcervical that some repro vets do, but not all of them do. Um, but and then the next after a live breeding, the next one is um, you can do a side by side insemination. And that's like your next bet. And then chilled is the next one and then frozen. So frozen's really kind of your last resort. But if you're looking for something from overseas or something that's been dead for, you know, 15 years, then you have to use frozen. So <laughs> that, that's free, true. I'll tell you what, freezing dog semen is a, it's a big business. <laughs> All these, I there is no- a niche for everything <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Uh, I don't even a- want to find out how you get that. Oh um, yeah. No, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it's a, and I think that when most people think about, you know, getting a, a purebred dog and they see some of the cost of it, I don't think they understand the cost of producing a puppy is, um, is very high, you know, with, with the, the, you know, the stud fees or the, 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 the vet bills and so on and so forth. It, it, uh, it's an industry that is, is um, you're not making a whole lot of money off of a well-bred dog. Simply no, because it's, it's, right, not any money. And, and the, I mean, the health clearances that we do too are, um, so our, the Black Coat Retriever Society of America requires a couple health clearances, but I do a lot more than what they require. And a lot of that's for historical purposes. Um, we don't have a lot of uh, heart issues in the breed but I now do echocardiograms on all my breeding dogs because um, I think it's important in case we do have some issues. Goldens have them, Labradors have them. So why don't we have them? I don't, I don't know. But if we, if we start to discover some and we have, there have been some overseas, then we need to at least have some historical perspective on, you know, on whether we have healthy dogs or not. And, you know, cancer seems to be the biggest bad thing now in all dogs, but, Maybe it won't be at some point. Maybe hearts will be. Well, then we should have some historical stuff on that. So I do a lot more clearances than um, than are is required. And an echocardiogram is six hundred dollars. So it's not, you know, and that's just one clearance. Right. So do you do that for every puppy? No, I do that for my own breeding animals. Okay. So if I'm going to breed something, then I do an echocardiogram. Got it. No, the, on my puppies, um, before my puppies go to their new homes, they get um, they have their first set of shots, of course, and I microchip them all, and then I um, uh, I do a genetic eye uh, disease um, at a ortho. Uh, it's not orthopedic. I just lost the. At an eye doctor. <laughs> an ophthalmologist. Yes. I do that. And then they get a chiropractic adjustment. So that's kind of the things I do before they go home. And right. of and your then, eight dogs, have you bred all of them or are some of them ones that have never been part of your breeding program? So I have, um, so one of the oldest one, so we just lost dear Mr. Bingley's brother. Right? So that was, um, he was 13 and a half. Um, so we just lost him and he had a good life and he wasn't sick till the last day. So that was, that was good. But so my oldest now is 11 and a half and she's had two litters and I have, um, a daughter and 
two grandchildren here now. And then the next one is 10 and a half. Um, and I have her daughter who has not been bred yet. And then I have, um, gosh, what else do I have? I have, um, I have one from England who was just bred. Um, so I imported her from England and she just had her first litter. And then, um, I have three that have not been bred yet. So, um, and they won't all get bred. I'm not sure they'll all get bred. And sometimes, um, I have one, uh, like Zuzu that is going to a new home on Sunday. So, um, she's not, she, she's okay in the pack, but, um, I think she'd be better off without, you know, seven other dogs to compete with. So, um, so she's going to a new home in Ohio somewhere. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a great place to raise a dog. Um, exactly. Yeah. So I just, I just know like with, with Zuzu, one of the reasons why I got Zuzu is that although she's, she's a, a lovely girl, she's not, I, it, when you meet her, you realize, yeah, it's probably good. She didn't breed her. You know, there's just something <laughs> about Zuzu that she's not breedable. She's a very sweet, special dog, but that's, you know, you you got to make sure you got it you got it right on all ends, not just not just physical, but but temperamental. She's she's just a she's a little too skittish. She's a little too flighty. Um, she just would not be a dog that I would breed. And so, lucky me, I got her. Um, so she's a great house dog, but she's not a, a good dog to breed. And I think it's really important that um, breeders. That, that there's more than just the physical characteristic or the confirmation of the dog. Confirmation has to include temperament, which we've talked about before. Um, so, and it's, it's difficult for, you know, I don't place dogs lightly and Zuzu would have really only gone to you. I mean, I don't think there's many other people I would have put her with, but um, I, I did place another dog that I had and she was lovely and her temperament was good, but her father, we bred to her father. It was a little bit against my gut and we bred to him, uh, when he was three and a half, cause it, that's a little young for me to, to, you know, for the male and he died at four of an aggressive cancer. So I'm not going to breed from that, you know? Right. So um, this last litter, the R litter, I was lucky to get cause I had two misses with jelly and, um, and then uh, was lucky this time. So I was pretty pleased with that, that I have a jelly daughter now. Because I really liked my other jelly daughter, but I didn't want to breed from a dog that died, you know, mm -hmm. at four. Right. So, yeah. Right. And with males, so there's a lovely male that's local. And um, and he's really, he's a great dog. His temperament's really good. He's lovely in confirmation. And you can wait longer with him. You know, if the rest of the litter and the rest of the father's litter all lives to be good long ages, well, then maybe that dog can be used, but you can't wait with the girls. So um, they need to be bred by the time they're four, pretty much. And so I wasn't going to take a chance on that. So she's right. in a great local home that they've also had a dog for me before. And they have a puppy now also. So um, so they have two for me now. Okay, that's great. So I was going to say, too, when you, when you, after you send the puppies home, one of the things that Judy does require is that you do a certain panel of tests on the dog so that she can keep track of what happens with these. So it, so when you have a pairing, you don't know what's going to happen with these dogs. So if you keep track of, we do hips and elbows and eyes and thyroid and, is that it? Patella. Patella. Um, so that you can keep track of. And I think that that's really um, 
that's got to be something that I would think as a breeder is, is both um, fascinating and encouraging and disheartening all at the same yeah. time. When you yes. <laughs> Cause at some point, if you breed enough, you're going to have, you're going to create, you're going to get some issue. You know, you're going to get a health issue because that's just the, the thing about breeding. So mm -hmm. it's nice to know and it's nice to see. And if you have, you know, one litter that has a bunch of, you know, or that ha had some bad elbows, well, then you might not breed that mother again. Or you might be a little more careful where you took that mother next time. Or you might require the dog to have, you know, so it's, it is good information. It is hard to get people to do it. Even people that stay in touch with me, um, I don't, I've. I've had good success getting a lot of those tests done, but not everybody is as good about it as like Julius. So, yeah, well, I, I just feel guilty if I don't, it's like, I can't talk to Judy if I haven't got the test done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, good. Guilt works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I tell people that the two great motivating factors in my life are fear and guilt and the fear of guilt will get me to do anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Judy, thank you so much for coming on with us again to talk about what it's like to be a breeder. Colleen, has this put the final nail in the coffin of your I, breeding? It may have. It may have. <laughs> yeah. So if Jack it doesn't mean to I it. don't want to show up and visit. So I'll just like yes. pop in at Judy's house when the there next litter comes. Well, you can do that. that. Yes, because you're going to be very close. Uh, so. Always nice to have an extra set of hands. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll have to play it that way instead of actually doing it on my own. <laughs> That's right. Just thank go you for play. sharing all your experiences with us. Yes. Thank you, Judy. Oh, sure. All right. Thank you for having me on. I'm really, I'm, I'm touched and honored. I really am. Oh, well, thank you. That's always nice to know too. So, all right. Well, we will see all you like all you lovely people next time on your family dog. Thanks for listening to your family dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Colleen and Julie would love to hear them. Call 614-349-1661 or visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.